Let's go down to the holy river. Welcome to Prince Track by Track, I'm your host Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Let's Have a Baby from Emancipation. Recorded late 1995, early 1996 at Paisley Park and released on the 19th of November 1996. On the track, it is just Prince with a piano. And I think there's an electric bass in there. Uh, the track is 4 minutes 7, and joining me to talk about it today are Shannon Camp and Zach Powers. Hello. Hi. Hello. Now, before we get into the track, as this is your first time on the show, uh, I'm going to ask, as I do every guest, as is my tradition... Um, what is your experience with Prince? Do you recall, you know, um, a song or an album that, you know, brought you to, uh, you know, him to your attention? Um, I don't know if you purchased any Prince albums at any point, um, during your life or, you know, any Prince songs that stand out. Um, can you remember when you first heard Prince? I was a huge, rabid fan of uh, Bez Lemons, Romeo plus Juliet, when I was like 12, 13 years old. As a tween girl, I was very into Leonardo DiCaprio. And there is a actually really beautiful boys choir cover with a young uh, male soloist of When Doves Cry. So I would actually say for many years that was really the only Prince song I knew well and I didn't even really know that Prince was the one who wrote it or sang it. Uh, I sort of knew of Prince peripherally as an artist and always kind of uh, liked him. My parents had like some Rolling Stone coffee table books that had pictures of him in them and I thought he was like one of the coolest people in it along with Tina Turner who was on the cover I think. Uh, and Whitney Houston. So, yeah, I just had, like, some peripheral knowledge of him. And then when I was, uh, after college, I saw Purple Rain. And I really liked the soundtrack album for Purple Rain. And around that same time, um, not that too long before his passing, Prince was on New Girl as himself. Sort of helping uh, Zoe Deschanel and Jake Johnson's characters patch up their relationship. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I've always sort of been peripherally an admirer of his. I think he, like, I was always in awe of his artistic persona and his fashion. But to this day, I would say I'm not terribly familiar with his music. And aside from the Purple Rain album, I don't know that I own much of his music. I suppose probably my first conscious... I mean, I was, I, I've was i always been sort of peripherally aware of him. Like, I remember sort of when the whole... I remember... I feel, I feel like I, I remember when he became the artist formerly known as Prince, as opposed to Prince uh, for a while there. Um... But uh, my parents, like when I was getting into music as a kid, my parents were solidly in the 60s and 70s with their musical tastes. And by the time I was old enough to get into music or I had friends, they were obviously listening to the biggest thing at that time. So it would have been like late 90s, early 2000s stuff when Prince was probably at his most prolific in the 80s and early 90s. And for that reason, that era, the 80s in music as a whole, has always been something of a blind spot for me. Like, obviously, I'm aware of people like Prince and even Michael Jackson, but I was never in a situation where I was surrounded by 
I was never exposed to them by my parents particularly because they were too old by the time those artists broke out to really follow them with much fervor. And uh, I never, I'm, I mean, I was too young to be caught up in their biggest moments of pop culture relevancy, I feel like, or when they were the huge new sound. Um, same thing for like U2, I feel like, or R.E.M. kind of like passed me by for the same reason, I feel like. Um, regardless, I definitely heard one Prince song I know I heard at a young age because I liked the movie a lot was Bat Dance, because I definitely remember that scene from Batman where the Joker is on the parade float with the Prince song playing, throwing out the money, and then eventually killing everybody. Um, but beyond that, like, I know I've interstitially heard Prince songs. I've never seen Purple Rain. I've seen that uh, New Girl episode that Shannon was referring to, and I had an awareness of Prince as a figure in culture, but... And I saw, like, obviously there's that very famous Chappelle's show sketch about Prince playing basketball. I definitely saw that. I have not listened to a great deal of Prince, at least not intentionally. I feel like most of my exposure is just, like, happenstance stuff that, you know, is playing here or there while I'm out or at a, at a, you know, restaurant or shopping center or what have you. Uh, but I've never... I don't have a great deal of exposure to Prince himself. Well, fortunately, we can change that today. Yeah. And the song that he he wrote a song for New Girl, which is called uh, "Fall in Love Tonight," which I think is on Artificial Age. By the time I get to that, I mean that's going to be sometime next year. By the time I get to that track, um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's funny because there was a point where you know towards that era, Prince just started releasing songs in very odd ways. There was like a song that all of a sudden he like announced on Twitter he'd done. And then he just like uploaded it somewhere and you just had to go to this specific site and download it. And then there was another song that he uploaded onto SoundCloud of all things. Yeah. And just like was just tweeted all of a sudden there's this song on SoundCloud. And, you know, towards the end, he was just kind of releasing music in very odd ways. Um, and then eventually those were kind of collected properly and put onto album. It's it's just I think it's just the one of those things where I feel like people who are either very slightly older than me or a little younger than me or just have younger parents than me. Like, Pr Prince was a very important artist to them, but I fell between the cracks, I guess, in a weird way. Well, if you missed most 80s music, you're missing nothing, really. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a terrible decade. So let's get into the song then. Um, I think in terms of a genre, we can be fairly safe in saying, um, well, I mean, I want to use the phrase baby making music because although I feel like the title is a little too obviously in that section. And normally when you think of baby making music, you kind of think of slow jams, um, you know, quiet storm, that kind of thing. So I don't think that it really fits in that category, but it's almost like baby making music, but like acoustic. Yeah. Because um, it's just literally a simple piano ballad. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so much on the child part and less yeah. about the sexual relations part. Like yeah. I was joking to Zach when we were listening to it. I said, let's have intercourse for the reason the Lord intended yeah. reproduction. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would also not classify it as a baby-making jam because it's not about, like, ooh, I want to worship your body. Like, let's have a great night. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about, like, like, let us produce a child that looks like you and me because it's genetically 
bars. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a prepared for the next step in adulthood jam. Isn't it a miracle that life comes from inside? The Holy Spirit's in all of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Um, by the time, you know, uh, Prince was recording this before he and Maite got married. They got m- married um, Valentine's Day 1996. Um, and, you know, Maite was pregnant, um, I think, uh, April 1996 was when they announced it. Um, so this is certainly feels like this maybe was the thing that, you know, um, w- you know, kind of announced Prince's intention of exactly what he wanted to do after the marriage. They played this at the wedding reception. Um, there were a couple of songs oh. that Prince recorded and played at the wedding reception, and this was one of them. Um, you know, I don't want to get into the details, but doesn't that story unfortunately have an incredibly tragic ending? It does. Yes, it does have yeah. a very tragic okay. ending. Okay, we don't even have to talk about that, but that does add a layer of dimension to my appreciation of the song. Like, oh, he wanted to have a baby so badly. That's so, so sad. Yeah, that is something that I have mentioned on, um, you know, a couple of the other songs that kind of touch upon on this subject and kind of you know yeah i figured you had already addressed it so i don't want to like force your listeners to wallow in it i just uh wasn't sure sometimes it can be easy to conflate celebrity stories and i want to make sure i was thinking of the right one yeah no you're exactly correct in where this ended but i think um you know and i've spoken about this uh, you know with regards to a couple of other songs that were written around this time you know aimed explicitly at maite i mean this entire second disc is just songs about you know how prince feels you know about maite um and you know i i i feel like um you know there's very there's very few songs that prince ever kind of did that were 100 percent autobiographical and this one feels like prince very much um you know kind of happy at his you know engagement happy that he's about to get married happy that he's ready to take the next step. This is, you know, this is not subject matter that essentially he's ever recorded a song about, you know, before this point. And at this point, he's released, you know, 240-something songs. So there's been a lot of songs about, you know, Prince, uh, you know, wanting to be your lover. He has a song called I Want to Be Your Lover. So that pretty much announces the intention straight up front. So he's done a lot of songs that have that. And there's a lot of songs where, you know, the, the narrative that Prince tells is, well, one, he will be the best you ever have. And two, you know, you will be satisfied once we finish. And neither of those intentions are in this song. This is literally just a song about how Prince is amazed by birth. Um, and, you know, the process that leads up to it. It's sort of like a romantic song hiding in the disguise of being a sexual song. Because you see the title, Let's Have a Baby, and yeah. you're like, okay, a Prince you song called Let's Have a Baby. Full, he's probably going to sing yeah. about how he's going to lick between my toes before we make mm-hmm. that baby. But then you, when you actually listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh. Although I will say, Zach just scrolled up a bit through the lyrics, and I noticed the lyric, um, I can't even go for a ride. Believe me, honey, I've tried. Without thinking about a little baby, a baby sitting right by my side. <laughs> Under no circumstances should a baby be in the front seat of a car. <laughs> Prince. Well, I mean, this was 1996. You know, car laws were probably a little bit more lax in Minnesota back then. Yeah, but it's funny, actually, because when he sings that, he sings he sings it like this. He goes, a little baby right by my side. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing, Prince? What ha- where is that voice coming from? What are you singing like? Um, but yeah, I mean, he announces attention with the first lines, which is, I can't wait no more. Let's have a baby. Um, you know, what are we yeah. living for? 
Um, and then he says, let's make love. And then you have that yeah, wonderful like, kind of like, if it sounds like a fretless string, uh, fretless bass that he's playing as he says, let's make love. There's a couple of points where he switches away from let's have a baby to let's make love, which is, of course, much more of a traditional, like, I don't know. What's yeah. it called? Um, is it Marvin White? Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Barry White. Barry White. Yeah, I can play to the two. <laughs> but much more of like, you know a sort of time to get down kind of song thing, but let's have a baby is very utilitarian in nature. This is why Darren had us on the podcast together. We make one brain <laughs> when interlocked. Uh, but yeah, you know how it is. Like he's singing about hands being on your thighs. You're like, okay. But then it's again, we're back to a miracle that life comes from inside. So, Oh no, back to the, back to the procreation. Not that there's anything wrong with that, obviously. Being, being, you know, a, a fan of Prince and, and owning this album in 1996, um, I think there were a couple of songs on this album that are probably Prince at his happiest. And this, I think, is yeah. one of those songs. Um, you know, just the fact that he's, you know, the the, the kind of the thought of, you know, uh, wondering what, you, what you'd look, you know, lo- so long, so long, he sings the long, so he really stretches that out long. Uh, I like when Prince goes really on the nose with stuff. It's like, so long... Have I gazed into your eyes, wondering what they look like on a newborn child? And it's like, well, that is, you know, that is that's if you're Maite, I, I can I can imagine being extremely charmed by the idea that Prince is like, I just I just want, you know, whatever you have on a child. You know, this is you know, this is something that I don't know. I, I, I can kind of understand that sentiment and Maite kind of maybe being like, well, yeah, this makes sense. Obviously, you know, Prince, you're a gorgeous man. I am a very beautiful woman. Let's combine this and put it on something smaller that can, you know, carry on this legacy. I appreciate the sort of romantic sentiment of that. I do think when I hear the line, I have visually, like my mental image is so strange when I hear him saying like, imagine your eyes on a baby or I've listened to your voice so long and I wonder what it sounds like coming from a girl or a boy. Like that's very strange mentally the image of that is so weird to me when we were listening to this zach was holding our cat luna and i said oh luna i wonder what you'd look like with zach's eyes just the thought brings me so much joy i mean obviously yes it is he doesn't mean it like literally but my mental image was like a baby with prince's eyeliner and like long fake 80s falsies and frosted eyeshadow <laughs> or or in fact a baby that literally just had like an adult's voice <laughs> yeah. but like uh, an adult woman's voice coming from a little boy yeah <laughs> like a reverse tommy pickles situation <laughs> wait that's exactly what? a Tommy Pickle situation. I guess, yeah. Wasn't he and like sure he Bart Simpson voiced by, a, voiced by adult was, women? I'm sure Bart Simpson definitely was, and I think Tommy. I would not be surprised if Tommy Pickles was voiced by an adult woman, but she was trying to sound like a baby and not <laughs> like an adult <laughs> woman or an actual baby. There's no middle ground. Like I'm talking about an adult woman sounding like an adult woman. <laughs> yeah. But like the idea is, yeah, the idea is so so funny when you take it literally. I don't want to make light of. Um, um, Prince's sincere emotions because no of course yeah not. like it's it's a very when you take the sentiment for what it is it's very beautiful but we're here on a podcast to have a little fun folks you know we gotta make our goof em ups and look at stuff literally I, I like as well how he he puts the onus on Maite when he says I'm leaving it up to you uh, I'll do what you want to do but what you got to understand is you're my woman and I'm your man and it's like well you know 
I, uh, this level of commitment is something that Prince has never expressed before. So it's nice to hear him basically commit to one person and say that he is their man. Um, you know, so considering that there's a number of other Prince songs where basically he's like, yes, you're one of many women. I can't be held down. It's nice, nice to get a song where he's like, you know, this this relationship is literally the most important thing in his life. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, he ended up divorced like two years later. So, <laughs> so that sentiment only held for so long. Um, but uh, yeah, so and I, you know. At the very end, they kind of go back to, you know, I can't wait no more. Let's have a baby. Um, don't you want to, you know, and I <laughs> like as well. He's like, shut the door. Um, I know what I want to do. I'm glad he tells her to shut the door. Anyone can walk in. Well, in Paisley, in Paisley Park is fairly busy. There's a lot of staff going around there. You don't know who. Yeah, that's be. true. Yeah. So. I hope they should put up a sign, hopefully, as well. That would be a. Had to cut the put up a sign lyric. <laughs> uh, Inform my I PA. I enjoyed the lyric where he talked about, like, if anyone else in the world thought they could do this for me, they are one mistaken girl, which seems to address, like you were saying, a lot of other songs where it's like, I have lots of women. This lyric is directly like, all those other women are <laughs> mistaken girls. So, yeah, I mean, there was a, there, that pretty much hits it right on the head. There is a song like two tracks or three tracks later, which is friend, lover, sister, mother, wife. And that opens up with the, the lyrics. If I ever held a hand, it was only because I never held your hand. And, you know, he talks about how if there was some if there was ever someone else in my bed, it was only because I wanted to live up to what the papers said. So there are a couple of songs on here where he, he attempts to excuse his past as a way of kind of, you know, enforcing the present and being like, this is where I am now. Forget all that. Forget, you know, the prince of the 80s who was, you know, singing songs about having sex with anything that moved. This is now about, you know, the matrimonial bed and, um, you know, getting down to the purpose for, for what God made us. I also feel that uh, the most of the song is very much what I think Shannon observed. It's If you told me that this there's a prince song about wanting to have a baby, I would imagine basically this. Although by itself the first few piano notes sound a little spooky oh yeah i was like "Ooh, i feel like i'm in a nancy drew video game not the beginning of a prince song prince's final tour was just prince at a microphone with it with a piano um so you know he's no slouch when it comes to you know playing piano obviously he was more well known for you know playing guitar you know the super bowl performance where he has the you know the white sheet and the guitar on the you know shadow you know so you know I, I think people don't really think of prince as like a you know a piano player which is is why i really enjoyed this song mm-hmm. oh i was going to say we didn't even talk about it as we were going through the lyrics and i didn't even mention it just because i assume it's a given uh i didn't talk about the quality of his voice which is obviously amazing uh even not being super familiar with his songs i have an appreciation for the quality and unique sort of timber and range of his voice yeah uh but it would be pointless for me to talk to you about like why specifically he's a good singer because I'm definitely not an expert in <laughs> those things. I could not pinpoint what, you know, sonically is happening to make him sound so, so good. Yeah, it's very high almost. I don't know. I mean, would this classify as almost falsetto, I guess? Yeah, I think uh, I think he goes up to his falsetto range on a couple of, particularly when he does the um, How Long Have I? 
you know, he's he's going yeah. up to his falsetto range for that, and then kind of dropping back down to his lower voice, uh, which is what yeah. he mostly uses on this album. It's you know, it's been about ten years since he regularly used his falsetto. Um, you know, mm-hmm. when he when he first started singing, he used his falsetto because it hurt him to sing in a lower register. So, you know, he was always ah. pretty much up in a, a kind of very breathy falsetto. Um, but yeah, his voice is beautiful, of course. It should goes without saying. But on this on this song in particular, he he's he's kind of you know trying to show off his range a little bit. Um, you know, and I mean, I I personally um, I would say for me, out of five, this is a, a five out of five. You know, it's one of the songs on this album that I love. Um, you know, I, I, obviously I've had the advantage of listening to it for 22 years. Um, so, <laughs> so it has, you know, not just the fact that, I mean, obviously I know that this story ends tragically, you know, we, we, you know, Amir basically lived for five days. Um, and then later on, Maite had a, a further miscarriage and that was the thing that kind of ended their marriage. Um, so the song kind of takes on a, a kind of tragic dimension later, but if all you're doing is just listening to it for, you know, um, the the sentiment that Prince is expressing and, you know, kind of living in the moment of Prince yeah, at his happiest time, you know, the kind of leading up to the marriage of Maite and while Maite was pregnant, he wrote a lot of songs where you can hear kind of the joy in his voice and, you know, you can hear that he's extremely happy and kind of almost content in a way that he hadn't been in the 80s. He'd been very restless in the 80s in terms of, you know, wanting to kind of break through, wanting to cross over, you know, releasing an album a year, basically every single year in the 80s. And, you know, not that Emancipation is a small album because it's 36 songs, but, you know, like this, that relentless drive kind of led him to get to this point and he's finally free from Warner Brothers. He's married, he's ready to have a child and, you know, there's a certain level of kind of contentment um, that's in this song. Well, it's sort of hard without having a ton of other... Prince music to compare it to and with this type of music um being a bit outside of my wheelhouse as I said but what is in my wheelhouse is musical theater and this song is like a combination of Dear Theodosia from Hamilton and The Wheels of a Dream from Ragtime therefore it gets a perfectly respectable four out of five stars um I also don't have the wide base uh, of Prince or even particularly R&B music uh, to to uh, draw upon. Um, I will say, uh, spoiler alert to the listeners, we have covered a couple of songs and I think personally I might have preferred the other songs slightly more. I'm going to go with uh, let's do a 3.75 out of 5. <laughs> Okay, you're the first person to go with a 0.75 on any songs, and I'm 250 episodes into this. Well, so. I, I couldn't split. I was trying to split the difference between the 4 and the 3.5, and I was like, I can't pick either. I'm just going to go with the 0.75. Prince never played this song live. You know, by the time the album came out, um, you know, I, I guess this, this song had very tragic connotations for Prince. I don't think it yeah, was a I song he wanted to revisit. Yeah, so there was a there's a handful of songs on this album that are very much about Maite and the marriage and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Prince never performed them live. And I can kind of understand why, you know. Um, 1996, even though he finally got out of his contract with Warner Bros., ended up being quite a tragic year for him. And so, 
Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff from this time where he just he just never performed them live. And, you know, he basically moved on and, you know, the you know following year he had another album out and the year after that he had another. And then, you know, he kind of moved on and kept going. And so far, no one has covered this song. I feel it's ripe for a cover. I feel like, you know, there's got to be... A... I'm surprised, like, Michael Bublé or someone <laughs> hasn't done, like, a jazzy version of it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've said about as much as anybody can about Let's Have a Baby. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Uh, so... So, uh, I have a podcast um, that I do regularly called The Revisionists. It's a comedy alternate history podcast in which we uh, take a person or event from history, we give a true account of that, and then uh, either us or our guest creates a completely bonkers bullshit alternate version of that person or event where, you know, George Washington is two kids in a trench coat or... Ben Franklin is an android or what have you. And at the end of the episode, we vote on which becomes the real history of the world moving forward. So uh, if you check out The Revisionists, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts, I always feel weird saying that. Just the internet. Use the internet to find The Revisionists, not the Malcolm Gladwell podcast that's different uh and we also have a podcast together that's on hiatus right now permanently possibly, possibly forever no one is really sure but now is the perfect time to go back and catch up uh it's about the uh e-scripted television series the royals which was once loosely based on shakespeare's hamlet and now is loosely based on a bunch of old like a fever dream of a <laughs> A fake history yeah. story from Zach's other podcast basically makes up the bulk of the history on this show. Anyway, it's a lot of crazy royals being wacky, and we just use it as a jumping off point for comedy and discussing the show and coming up with wild conspiracy theories about the characters. So check it out. That's Stage of Fools. Yes, Stage of Fools. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you can email us, not sure where you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Shannon and Zach. Oh, Thank yeah, you. thanks for having us. We're, I mean, honestly, we owe you forever <laughs> for producing our podcast. And otherwise, let's make love.